Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. James chapter 5. Starting in verse 13. The Bible says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Then Isaiah 6, 5 says this, so I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Let us pray. Lord, I know that your word is real and true, and what you have for this community Lord, is a blessing that I believe is getting ready to be, Lord, birthed in the next, Lord, weeks and months. And God, I look forward to that revival and that transformational moment that when heaven touches earth. Mm. And I know that you are on your way. Lord, we look to you today to be here in this room as we seek your face over this word today. Father, we will not cease to praise you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Several weeks ago, the Holy Spirit arrested my attention, and I have been teaching and preaching a series for the last several weeks to get you to these last two services right here this Sunday and next Sunday. And what God has been speaking to my spirit about where we need to be as a church, the Holy Spirit was showing me things that that I hoped would not happen, but all of them took place within our country and in our land. And so I, I had been preparing you to be a warrior for Christ. I've been sending out preemptively the message of God to be ready for the move of God. And so the, the, I have a two-part message that I will begin today that I believe is the word of God for us that will begin today and finish next week. Now, next Sunday is Independence Day, or next Saturday, and when we, but on July the 5th, I will, we will grab a hold of the finality of this message. 
And I want to give you a small preview of that. And that is simply this, that God, there is a historical founding of this land that I believe has been absent from our history books that has been withholden from us in many ways that I'm going to show you in, in history next week and how this country of ours was birthed out of appeal to heaven. And so the title of this final two messages, this is Appeal to Heaven for part one, and next week it will be Appeal to Heaven part two. This one will set the groundwork for the historical applicable things that are going to take place next week. But as of this morning, as I, as I finish this series here, I can tell you within my spirit that I am, I, I've been listening to the words of Isaiah for the last 48 hours over and over in my heart. This morning, the Holy Spirit woke me up speaking to me this, this Isaiah 6 passages. And this morning I went through Isaiah 6 to Isaiah 14 over and over in my heart, in my mind, in my soul. And the word that just keeps coming un, un, over me over and over and over again is simply this. I am undone. That is in my heart right now. I am undone. And I am not undone because of anything that has happened in this country in the last 48 hours. I am not undone because of the wickedness that is in our community and the sin that happened last night that none of us knows about. I am not undone because of all of the unrighteousness that has been happening in our land for a generation. I am undone because I've seen the king and I live in a land of unclean people. You hear me tonight. Why? Because there is only one king, and it's not any other government in this world. There is no government that is above our king. There is no government that is beyond our king's control. And my, my heart that is broken today has nothing to do with sin. Because as long as, there's, as long as Jesus has not returned, there's going to be sin. And so we need not get so bent out of shape over sin. We need to get bent out of shape over the kingdom of God that has been, has been pushed to the side. Because when the kingdom of God is pushed to the side, there will be ramifications that go beyond what you can envision at this moment in time. And there will be consequences when you violate the king's decree. And you cannot be undone until you see the king. You see, let me tell you, it is, it is not fruitful or productive for you to debate the validity of your stance on the biblical word of God. 
If you're out there on social media debating these things, listen, it is not something that you can debate. It is not something that you're going to have, an, have a winning argument when it comes to when it comes to secular ideas and secular notions and all the things of this world and this country of ours. You're not going to win this argument and neither are they. We are going to win the war and the battle is when we close the door and we get into the prayer closet and we seek the face of God again. We will not overcome until we become undone. Until we become undone and realize that there is an appeal to heaven that God is still on the throne. And if I all, if all I can do for you today is to take it to the Lord in prayer. You are, I'm not calling you to arms. I'm not calling you to battle in the spiritual war. I mean, in the carnal war, because these things are worthless and fruitless. They will, they will produce only those things as your, as your physical and mental skill that gives you the ability to argue one way or another. But I can tell you, you can pull down strongholds and your IQ can be all of five. And when you call on the name of the Lord, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how wise you are. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. All that matters is that you get in your prayer closet and you call out to Jesus Christ and he can change your family and your home. He can make a difference. The simplicity of the gospel is amongst us that it does not matter what, what, what you bring to the table. It matters is whether you believe him or not. You see, Isaiah says, for my eyes have seen the king. You know, if you ever, you ever watched, you know, parents, we see sometimes, parents, we're very protective of our young ones. And you know why we're protective of our young ones? Because parents have seen the things in this world that they do not want their young ones dealing with at this moment. You know, there are things that we guard them from because they're not ready for it yet. They're not ready for the battle yet. The battle will be there and they will have to fight it one day and you cannot cover them completely. But you have to protect them for the season. Why? Because you have seen and experienced life and you know how you are to live and you know what it is to live before the God now what I'm telling you today is because you have seen life and you have seen the atmosphere of that and you've seen what it can be you have guarded yourself and guarded your house so your reaction is determined by what you have seen when, you, when I find somebody that does not understand the seriousness of where we are right now, it will tell me one thing. They haven't seen the king recently. If you're not concerned over immorality and if you're not concerned, listen, the, the, our, there, there are lots and lots of sins out there. It's just that very rarely does a country elevate a particular sin to the level that our country has done. I mean, right now, we're all, everybody's against thieving. No one put the 
skull and crossbones over the White House last week and said, everybody just take what you want. We'd preach against that if they did that. It's not the sin. It's the mentality that you can do what you want without any repercussions of God's law and God's standard of living in our country. You have seen the king and we realize we're in trouble. We have seen what he has done. We have seen his glory and we have seen. And what we need to recognize, and this is old-fashioned religion, old-fashioned conviction, is that we got to get a glimpse of him again. We got to get our eyes off the politics and we got to get our eyes off a Democrat and our eyes off a Republican and we need to fix our eyes on Jesus again. Because it's not about a political field. It's not about a political ideal. It's not about who you elected or didn't elect. It's about whether or not you see Jesus in your life, in your home, in your house, in this community, in our state, in our land, in our area. We've got to see Jesus again. That is the reality of where we are. We are in, a, we are lost in an era right with, of looking to other things other than Jesus. We find ourselves like Peter looking at the storm and looking at the trial and find ourselves rapidly sinking when we can realize that all you have to do is reach up and grab a hold of the hand of the master and look within his eyes and recognize everything's going to be okay because he's still king. And he's still in control of this world. And so appeal to heaven simply means this morning as we go forth into this idea of prayer. You are called to be a warrior for Christ through prayer. The Bible tells us about this concept in the book of James that the effective prayer that you want to pray, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That is the reality of Scripture. The Bible tells us over and over, ask and you shall receive. That is this principle. If we ask, we shall receive. Why? Because he is king. One man said, prayer moves the hand of God who moves the world. We do not believe in the mentality that says that God created this world and then just said, good luck. We believe that when his people pray, he will hear from heaven and he will come again and heal our land. We believe that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what? All that we ask. If you're not asking, he can't be more than enough. If you're not seeking him, he can't be, do more abundantly. You know, I will tell you that every prayer I've all, ever prayed has been a failure. You know why? Because I cannot see from the eyes of God. You know what he does? He takes the faith in my heart that I pray that prayer and he answers it according to my faith. And then he takes what should have been a pathetic, worthless prayer, even though it may have sounded good and may have felt good. And everybody might have said, man, that's a good prayer, pastor. That has nothing even close to what the heartbeat of God wants to happen over this place. And he takes that prayer 
and just anoints it and blesses it and turns it into an enormous thing that even as he says and gives us his principle of the young boy's lunch, when you have the loaves of bread and the fish, it doesn't matter how small the fish were. It doesn't matter how little bread you have. He can take your little thing and explode it into a great thing if you believe in the one that you're praying to. Faith is critical in your prayer. It it is a fervent prayer that avails much. In the Bible, prayer is worship that includes all attitudes of your heart in approach to God. The highest activity that you and I can be capable of is communion with God. We are long overdue. On a regular basis, our land is long overdue. Uh, I mean, let me make this, let me, let me bring this into the reality of the situation. Prayer is so vital for your life. In fact, if anything happens, anything, somebody prayed. Hear that. If anything happens, somebody prayed. If you are saved today, it's because you prayed. You can't be saved until you pray. It's as simple as that. If you are healed today, somebody prayed. If you have been spared from the wickedness, somebody prayed over you. If you've been forgiven today, somebody prayed. If you were strong today, somebody prayed. If you are whole today, somebody prayed. If you survived the enemy's attack over your life, somebody prayed over you. If you've been pulled out, if you overcame, if, you've been, if you came back from being conquered, somebody prayed over you. If you've been delivered, if you've been set free, if you are victorious in this room, somebody prayed. It didn't just happen. It's that somebody went to the very throne room of God, whether it was you or your grandmother, your great-grandmother, or somebody went into the prayer closet and called on the name of the Lord and would not be denied until you saw the Lord yourself. We, we find ourselves in a community that is in desperate need of, the re, of a renewal of the King of kings and the Lord of lords to see how much he does love us. And oh, it's so, it's so heartbreaking to see how God takes his leave over the house, over the house, over a community, over an area, over a land. Because he, he sends, he says, are you sure you want to kick me out? Are you sure? And he'll, he'll, he'll send a move and, and they'll push back. We don't want you, Lord. And then he'll, and then so we take another step and he'll send another move and we push back and, 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 and we'll take another step off the precipice and he'll send another move and one more time we'll push back and over and over he does. He doesn't just get up and take his ball and go home as we used to say. He does he loves and he 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 draws and he pulls and he and he bleeds and he says, Are you sure you don't want your children blessed? Are you sure that you want your community in drugs? Are you sure you want poverty? Are you sure you want destruction? Are you sure you want all these things? Because if you just ask me, I would come in and I would heal your land and I would deliver you and I would set you free. Are you sure you want to push me away? Because I can do everything that you dream of. 
wealth. I can do everything that you want for your kids, your house, your home. If you but ask me. We push God out over and over and over. But God desires to commune with you. Why? Because he loves you and you are valuable to him. God loves you and you are valuable to him. And there is a way that seems right in the man's eyes. But listen, at the end of it is destruction. It may seem righteous. It may seem right. But when it violates the word of God, the end is destruction. No matter what sin you want to call it, it all ends the same way. And let me finish. I got a couple of places to go yet, but let me finish here in a moment. The problem with prayer is that you cannot approach God on your terms. This is where I see it. We get our arrogance and our struggle in our prayer lives usually revolve around the, the, the mindset that we can do whatever we want and then go talk to God about it. The reality it is it needs to be reversed. We need to talk to God about it and then go do what we need to do. You see, Man prays because God touches us. Prayer in Scripture is not a flesh response. Hear the Word of God. John chapter 4, verse 24. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Incorrect paths to Him will not get His attention. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, Jesus said. Isaiah 1.15 says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Why? Because your hands are full of blood. Word of the Lord in Isaiah 1.15. The Bible says in Isaiah 29.13, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch that these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. You see, when you get away from the presence of God, You can go through the ritual and go through the motions and go through all those things. But listen, if your heart isn't connected to his heart, your prayer is not getting past the room. You have to have your heart connected to the heartbeat of God. So here's here's four things I want to give you before we quit. Real fast. That are going to set the foundation for where I'm going to go next week. The first thing is you got to realize is that God is in control. He knows all things. He was not surprised at anything that has happened in this land for the last 5,200 years. He's not surprised. You have to accept this. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6, 7, And when you pray, 
Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Meaning, simply, don't grab a hold of a formula and say the same thing over and over again and say, just because I said this means God heard me. You actually have to pray from your heart. Therefore, do not be like them, Jesus tells us in verse 8. For your Father knows the things you have need of when? Before you ask them. He already knows. So why does he want me to pray? Because he loves you. He wants to have a conversation. You know, you're, as parents, and I see this sometimes in teenagers, parents, parents of teenagers, they're perfectly willing to give what their teenager wants. They just like to have a hi and how are you on the way through. You know what I'm saying? It's not that they're wanting to withhold it. They just like, I'm going to, I'm going to like, you know, hold you, hold it ransom for a little while. If you can just give me a kiss on the cheek and tell me, hello, I'll give you the money that you need. But if you're just going to ignore me, I ain't giving you anything. We know what you have need of, parents say. We know what you're, what you have need of. You have to recognize that God knows what you have need of. And it does, just because he has not given it to you does not mean he doesn't love you. It means that he's just ready for you to ask and have a relationship with him and be able to speak with him. When you pray, recognize he knows your need. You know, now I'll go to parents of little ones. I know what my kids need to eat. And they never ask for what they need. You know what I'm talking about? They're always asking for what they want. They're wanting the sweets. I know they get it from their father. That's what I eat, you know, but learn it by example. But the reality is, is that I know that they need to eat something of nutritional value for their lives. So I, I recognize as a father that I'm going to give them what they need, even though they're asking me for what they want. So sometimes when I'm, when I'm not getting what I want from God when I'm praying, it's because I'm not asking for what I need. I'm asking him for what I want. And my prayer has gone beyond furthering the kingdom of God to furthering the kingdom of myself. And God does not further you. He furthers his son. So when your prayer, James tells us, when you don't get what you ask for, it's because you have asked amiss and you need to reorient your mind to what the will of God is. And that's what I'm getting at in the second thing. And that is you got to trust. Number one, you got to know that God has all things and does all things, is ready to work in your life. But number two, you got to know that he is willing. His knowledge is there, as I said first. But number two, he is willing He's willing to act. We get, I, I have somebody come to me, and this is not without fail. People will ask you, say, well, why hasn't God done this thing yet? The Bible tells us in Luke eleven eleven, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
if you trust that God desires to bless you and you believe that God is willing and wanting to do this, and this is where the breakdown usually lies. I mean, how, how silly would it be for a child to come in and say, if you really want to give me my dinner tonight, I'd really appreciate it. My wife would be like, do you think I'm just cooking over this stove for just for fun? Of course I'm willing. Get to the table. I'm going to give you everything that you ask for on food-wise. You know, if my daughter asked for seconds on anything, we'd have a shouting time in our church, in our household right now. We can barely get her to eat first. When we understand that when God is willing, I mean ready, like that grandmother, you open that plate up. You know what I'm talking about? My grandma's right there, so I know exactly what I'm talking about. You tell her you like something, it's there. The reality is is that God is willing to just pour out abundantly above all that you ask or think if you just tell, trust him that he's willing to do it. So you got to recognize that God is in control, that God knows all these things. And number two, you got to trust that God is willing to give you. And then the third thing, and this is where sometimes people that are broken and wounded in the world, that they have a hard time recognizing the reality, but they got to embrace that God loves you. Hear me. God loves you. God loves you. John 16, 23 says, in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray to the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. The Father loves you. When you ask, Jesus is saying, Jesus says, listen, of course I'm there interceding for you as Hebrews tells us. Of course I'm standing in front of the throne for you because had he not be standing in front of the front throne, our prayer will not be accepted. But because we accept the one that's standing in front of the throne on our behalf, all we have to do is ask in the name of Jesus and because the Father loves the Son we receive what we shall ask. And because the Father loves the Son and we love the Son, the Father loves us. The Father loves us. And God loves those who loves His Son. And lastly this morning, not four, found, four foundational things before your prayer will be heard. Accept that God is in control. Trust God's willingness to answer. Embrace God's love for you. And lastly, walk daily with him you want your prayers answered walk daily with God walk daily with the Lord don't trust in any other thing the Bible tells us in John 15 7 if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you 
By putting all four of these foundational things together, these things set the pace. Go ahead, come to the piano, sister. These things set the foundation for what I believe God is calling us today as a country, as a church. That if we believe, if we trust, if we embrace the love of God, listen, as I said earlier, approaching what we need to do now is going to be based exclusively and our success is going to be based exclusively dependent upon our knees. If you're praying, God's going to bless you. Why is this such a big deal? Why are we why are we in the position that we are in? Because our country has made a decision that could literally forever alter the religious atmosphere of this land. And I don't need to belabor that. And there are more in-depth things that could come from this that we, that we have yet to see. Maybe not. But what I believe on the, with all my heart that God is allowing us, God, saying, are you sure you want to push me out? Are you sure you don't want my blessing? Are you sure you don't want to be healed? Are you sure you don't want my favor? Are you sure you don't want my protection? Are you sure you don't want my liberty? Are you sure? Because all that we have today has come from God. All that we have today has come from Jesus. Because let me tell you, it's still about one thing. Nations will rise and fall since the time of our Savior dying on that cross. But it's still about that cross that is on a hill somewhere far, far away where our precious Savior bled and died. And nothing that this country of ours does, nothing that this world may do can alter the fact that that cross is still on that hill. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter what the enemy brings up. It doesn't matter the weapon. It doesn't matter the issue. It doesn't matter where we are. The cross still stands. The cross is still there. They can try to cut it down, but they can't. Men have risen up and said that God is dead, but they have died and God has remained. There have been all over and over a generation after generation of people People that have come against the cross of Jesus Christ and one by one they have fallen. I began this, ser- this sermon this morning with Isaiah, for I am undone. But previous to that, in Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible tells us The reality of such 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The temple in heaven, magnificent, humongous. You want to see how big it is? Go read Revelation. That city is like 1,500 miles square. Figure that out. That's huge. And the temple of God in heaven, right there. The Holy Spirit's going to, the city is going to descend. And there won't be a building there because the Lord will be our temple. His light will fill the atmosphere. We'll be in his presence. What Isaiah is saying here is that his train of his robe. You know what a train is? Sometimes the old, older uh, weddings, the women would have trains on the back of their bridal garments. Wedding dress. When I was a younger boy, Remember, remember uh, Princess Diana's train? You remember that? Some of you older ones, you know what I'm talking about. That thing was all the way down the hallway, like five times as big as this. It was supposed to say how glorious it was. Our Bible tells us the train of his robe filled the temple. And it means simply this. Whenever the ancient kings of the Near East in the time of Isaiah, whenever they would conquer a land or conquer a foe or conquer something, they would take the king's robe and they would attach it to the back of their robe. And they would attach it to the very back of the robe. And so the longer the king's robe, the more he has conquered. So when Isaiah saw the Lord in the temple, and he said his robe, the train of his robe filled the temple, what he's saying is that everything that he's ever conquered continues to come in. Those that, those that had cancer, it just fills. He's already conquered it. Those that died in sin, those that had all the sin, all the pain, all the depression, all the fear, it's all attached to the back of his robe. And when the Lord walks in, it just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming and coming and does not stop and it keeps coming because he's king of kings and lord of lords and it keeps coming and coming and fills the entire house, the temple, all of it, for he is conqueror and victor over all. What he says to you this morning do not fear and do not be dismayed. Keep your eyes upon me, the author and finisher of your faith. He is still king. He has still control. And we shall overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We shall overcome. His robe 
is still filling that temple. For every soul that received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he takes all of their sin and puts it on the back of his robe. You see, this is why the woman, when she with the issue of blood, she reached out and grabbed what? The robe. He grabbed the bottom of it. Why? There's the power. You all, the power of God is filling and moving and covering this place. And I'm telling you, you're about ready to see something, I believe, in, the war, in our country today that is going to astound just when it feels like evil is going to overcome. The Bible says the grace of God avails. It goes, it goes more and abundant above. The darkest of moments of life are just prime for the glory of God to invade. When you think that there's no hope and no way out, that's when Jesus walks in. And then he takes and he beats the enemy down. The Bible says he put an open spectacle. He said publicly, I'm going to disrobe you, enemy. I'm going to wipe you out, and then I'm going to take what you were doing, and I'm going to attach it to the back of my throne, the back of my robe, so everybody knows you're under my feet. That all you're going to do is drag behind where I've walked. And I'm walking around, and some of you say your children are in drugs, they're, they're dealing with suicidal thoughts, they're dealing with, I'm telling you right now, if you just give them to the Lord, and you give them to God, I'm saying it's going to be attached to the back of his robe, and it's going to keep going and going and going and going. You will overcome through this. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.